Welcome to the Conservation Queens podcast. We are four girls who love the earth and have a passion for living a more eco-friendly life. We are real-life zoo employees. As always, nothing that we say reflects our organizations, and all thoughts and opinions are our own. Please keep in mind, we try to keep the podcast around PG-13, so if you have younger listeners, you may want to review the content beforehand. I'm Emily B. Abby will not be joining us today. She is busy being a Hawaii gal, so that's okay. And I'm Kenzie. I am not in Hawaii, but I am here. Yeah, but you were just at the Everglades, and I'm Katie. I went to Zoo Tampa today. (laughs) It looked really fun. It was really fun. I had a great time. I especially had a great time making the Instagram story. (laughs) You guys, like, okay, so we were looking at the orangutans, and I was like, you know, love them. Orangutans are great. Always a fun time to just watch them do their thing, because there's so many of them in Zoo Tampa. And then... I was I Grant and I like we're like where's the where's the big guy like where's dad I don't see him usually he's obviously pretty easy to find so we kept walking and he was around the corner at that training spot and they were doing the nebulizer stuff with him and I was just I was freaking out I was like how do I casually uh, telepathically tell the zookeeper that I'm also a zookeeper. <laughs> like, I don't want to be creepy. I'm like, hey, I don't want to be creepy, but um, I also work with, like, great apes and um, this is just fantastic and you're doing amazing and he's doing amazing and I love this. Um, but they had a little sign up that was, like, you know, explained what was going on, like, that he's getting this nebulizer treatment twice a day. Um, he has a respiratory condition, so it's just, like, obviously to help his condition. Um it was very funny because the others kept coming over and they were like, um, can I do that? Cause you're getting treats. <laughs> like, <laughs> what well, can I also like, I'll breathe it in. Um, but at the end, like, so we actually have a chimp at the facility I work at that we were also trying to do nebulizer training with. Um, she's older and she does have respiratory issues, but we were using like this big, like what a like you would see a person using a nebulizer using like a face mask that goes around the nose and mouth. And we were having a hard time because of course there's still a mesh barrier between us, like getting it to really that she was actually like, she would put her face up against to it, but like a lot of it was escaping, not like past her mouth, like not into her mouth and not into her lungs. So I was like, afterwards like the girl turns around because on their little sign she was like as soon as we're done like I'll answer some questions really if you have questions you know I'll answer them at the end and she turns around and I was just like hello hello it's me (laughs) Um, can I please take a picture of your machine and the nebulizer because like and I was like trying to explain so quickly because I've like I said that right off the bat and she gave me this look like okay crazy person (laughs) like why and i was like i work with chips and gorillas um we're also training nebulizer like can i please and and as soon as like i explained where i worked and stuff she was like oh my gosh yes like and she helped like you know i took pictures and whatever um but then we had to run so i was like i literally could talk to you for probably another hour but you you have work i have to go bye oh but it was fabulous um yeah, anyways, with that, let's talk about stuff. <laughs> Woohoo! Let's talk about stuff. Katie, what are we talking about this week? 
Well, we all love learning about animals that we've never heard of because it opens us up to new environments and conservation stories. So this episode, Emily requested to learn more about animals that she's never heard of, and the rest of us will be happily obliging. And this is true. Um, But what made you want to learn more about animals you've never heard of, Emily? I, you know, I feel like I pigeonhole myself into the marine world. Um, what you, what me, who never, um, and I just feel like there's, I feel like, okay, I have been an animal lover my whole life. I have been studying animals, you know, for over 10 years now. And I feel like I'm still stumbling across animals that I have literally never heard of. And I just don't know how that's possible. So the more I find out about these fun critters, the more I can teach other people about them. It's great. I mean, that's a great point. I'm like trying to think of something recently that, well, okay. I, I knew of dikers. Oh, they're very cute. I knew they existed. Never actually seen one until today. Wow. And the moment I saw it, I've, I've been, I worked at a zoo that had dikers, as you yeah. know, never yeah. saw them, never saw them once. Um, But I was always like these elusive little things, like, what are you? And then I finally saw one today in the zoo Tampa copy exhibit and, uh, Grant could tell you I like actually freaked out when I saw it because I was like, that's the thing. That's the thing. I didn't know what it actually looked like. That's that's it. I love it. And now you know. It was an immediate connection. I'm going to learn all about tigers now. That's kind of how I feel about the first animal that I picked, actually. Um, so let's just get right into it. So I actually decided to pick an animal that I, I've, I've heard of this animal before, but I literally could not have told you anything <laughs> about it beforehand. Um, so I picked the tree kangaroo. They don't sound real. They, <laughs> they're okay, very and much they don't real. look real either. They look like some like child created this adorable plush toy. And they was do. Like, That's this a is good the description. Thing of all time. Uh, so tree kangaroos. Okay, if you've never seen one, do yourself a quick favor. Google one. Um, they're incredibly adorable. Can I they tell are you something yeah. though. Like yeah. So I was at the gorilla area the other day, and this these two teenage girls walked by. And in all seriousness, dead seriousness, the one girl said to the other, they're looking at the signs. They haven't even come across any gorillas yet. And they just, the girl goes, wait, so gorillas actually exist? I hate that. And I, I was shocked. I was stunned silent. I, the the other girl was just like shrugged and kind of was like, "Mm -hmm." mm-hmm, bestie. I will tell you you, as someone who is, it is my job to work with teenagers you will be astounded by the depth of knowledge that they are lacking. I had students ask me, what, what's the Gulf of Mexico? <laughs> we live uh, in Florida. The tournament, Kenzie. It's, it's I hate a- it. But I would actually, like, looking at a tree kangaroo, that would be something that I would be like, wait, those actually exist? Yes, okay. So, tree kangaroos. Okay, so they are First of all, adorable. Second of all, they are a so tree-going, uh, tree-going arboreal marsupial. Um, they live in New Guinea and Australia, primarily in Papua New Guinea, though. Uh, they are the only true arboreal macropods. So macropods is the group that includes kangaroos and wallabies. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are the only true tree-growing, tree-going macropods. There are about 14 species of them. This is heavily contested. Uh, but all of them are considered threatened or endangered or critically endangered because of deforestation and habitat loss. 
They live in the treetops in these cloud forests and they leap from tree to tree. They can, I think it says somewhere down here, they can leap 30 feet from tree to tree and up to 60 feet from a tree to the ground without getting hurt. Okay, 60 feet from a tree to the ground. That's casual. Insane. They got little springs in their legs. They really do got little springs in their legs. Um, They're usually found in mountainous regions, except for the aptly named lowland tree kangaroos, who doesn't live too high. Um, They have only really a couple of predators. Um, Like I said, their main threat is deforestation. But there is a python, the amethystine, amethystine, excuse me, python, um, which is their main predator, which Mm -hmm. is kind of crazy because they're a pretty decent sized animal. Like, I would say bigger than a house cat. They're pretty big. Well, you should look up the python you're talking about. I did. He's kind of scary looking. It's very large. He is large. I'm looking at a photo of four people holding it right now. (laughs) Like a cross. Like four people have this thing and it's probably could fit another two humans in there um, to actually cover the entire body. So Insane. Um, They are... Oh, no! What? They're... There's a photo right below it of it eating a wallaby. Oh, oh. rip. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I, I can see how it does that now. Yes. Okay. Uh, they only produce one joey a year. They have the longest pouch life, um, huh. or one of the longest pouch lives, excuse me, um, periods. Up to 275 days after the joey is born, they'll stay in the pouch. That's a long time. Um, okay. Now, while I was doing my deep dive, a couple, this is a few weeks ago now that I was looking into this. Um, I went onto YouTube and I was like, I need to learn more about these critters. So I'm searching on YouTube, the tree kangaroo, and I stumble upon this PBS nature documentary. It's a short film. Um, it's only like eight or 10 minutes long. I highly recommend everybody go watch it. Um, all about tree kangaroos. And the, one of the, I think she literally is the leading researcher on tree kangaroos. Um, her name is Lisa Dabick. She is uh, with the Woodland Park Zoo in Seattle. And basically, she started studying them in the late 80s and discovered that really nobody knew anything about them. So they had a few at the Woodland Park Zoo. Um, so most of her studies were behavioral, um, reproductive, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, on these uh, tree kangaroos that were at the Woodland Park Zoo. Um, and then she became part of the Smithsonian, um, looking at tree kangaroos there. And then basically, um, she was like, okay, we need to actually go study them in the wild. And no work in the scientific community had been done up until this point on um, her study species, which is the Machis tree kangaroo. Um, They live in Papua New Guinea. They live in the cloud forests. Um, And basically, she started it from the ground up. Sounds like like a lovely place to be. Truly. So she started the tree kangaroo conservation program in 96. Um, and the place where she uh, studies, the local people um, live in an area that's called Yus, Y-U-S. Um, and so she works with the people in the area. Um, the video is incredible. You all need to go watch it. Um, you I convinced me. Yes. I might link it on um, the Instagram when we post this episode. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yes. It is very cool. She works with the local people, makes them stewards of the land to help protect these animals, um she is if you like go onto google scholar and search anything about tree kangaroos her <laughs> name is on i think every single one of them uh after watching that video i she literally is, almost i almost emailed her I was she's like, the jane goodall of tree kangaroos she is. and i was like i need to talk to this woman like she's incredible uh i refrained but um 
<laughs> I was very inspired. I am after Emily. This. I was the conservation queen. <laughs> Truly, Big I fan. was like, I have been inspired. These incredible animals. No one knows anything about them. She is literally blazing the trail um, to learn about them. There's a huge effort now in Papua New Guinea with her tree kangaroo conservation program to help protect these animals and help empower the people um, to give them. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the same thing as everywhere, right? You want to empower the people in the area. So that way they don't feel forced into things that cause deforestation. Right. Um, and so she's just amazing and I want to be her best friend. And that is what I've learned about tree kangaroos. Thank you so much. I did see, I think I saw a tree kangaroo. <laughs> They're so good. When I was in Australia, because they are extremely there. There's only like I think two species that live in Queensland and Australia. That's yes, like the most minuscule area of land that you can yes. imagine. It's in yes. the rainforests in um, in Queensland, which is where I went on a little trip when I lived over there. And <laughs> you would see these signs all around this rainforest area that were like like tree kangaroo crossing and like tree kangaroos are here and you were like where though <laughs> um because they were so high up in the trees they are pretty quiet and like stealthy um they're pretty yes. good at getting around without being seen or heard um because there's those pythons out there they gotta be worried about so fair um but as i was walking <laughs> I think we were actually walking back to the van. Um, I saw a shadow and something go past me extremely quickly and scuffle through the trees. And I'm going to tell myself that that was a tree kangaroo. And then I saw one. There you go. So works for me. I was pretty jazzed about it. They're so cute. I looked up tree kangaroo plushies after doing all this research too. And they are minimal. So somebody get on that. Hmm. Love it. Well, Kenzie, I think it's your turn to talk about an animal that Emily is ready to learn. Yeah. All right. Um, So let's let's get on it. So these guys you can also find in trees, but I'll be honest, they are not nearly as cute as the tree kangaroos. I've been staring at a bunch of pictures of them (laughs) walking, and they are fantastic. Oh, the name sounds like they would be super cute. They do. Yeah, they are cute. Um, Looking them up right now. I decided for this (gasps) one. They're adorable. Yes! Yeah. As their name suggests, they are very pink. Oh my mm-hmm. god! They are very, very pink. Yeah, so uh, I initially had considered to introduce you to a new bat species you never heard of. But <laughs> Classic. I thought, you know what? <laughs> Let's break the mold a little bit. So in honor of my patron saint, Mothman, I decided <laughs> to talk about the rosy maple moth. Okay, <laughs> this is a literal Pokemon. Right? <laughs> the colors are pop. She looks great. Mm-hmm. Is she she's on point the fit is immaculate it's true <laughs> okay so listeners you're probably going what the heck is a rosy maple moth do yourself a favor as long as you're not driving or operating the greatest thing i've ever seen in my life go google it go google it uh these guys are known for their very distinctive pink and yellow fuzz there's it's- like a squishmallow like um plush of them it's really? not a squishmallow but it's close enough it's called a squishable i'm in i'm sorry you made a what oh my god it's so cute a squishable (laughs) i guess they're like a knockoff you know squishmallow stuffed animal and there's one of a rosy maple moth and it's very cute and it's in stock but it is 52 dollars so maybe not a strawberry lemonade it does look like a strawberry lemonade (gasps) oh 
not my wallet about to go out the window here. <laughs> oh my god, it literally says, okay, this is the description of the squishable. Pink, yellow, mothiness. A rosy maple moth is the embodiment of sunshine and happiness and strawberry lemonade in moth form. <laughs> I mean, they're oh not god. wrong. Um, This is actually the same oh, company so that makes the Mothman squishable. Oh, even better. You Have know, you ever seen that one? Girlfriend. Yes. I feel yes. like you'd absolutely love it. Yeah, it's oh really my god. cute. Real cute. I, it was suggested. Baby Mothman. What? Yeah, real cute. Okay, sorry. We are We're getting so a little off track, track here. Uh, please tell us about this moth more. Yes. So uh, so what exactly is a mo- rosy maple moth? Well, uh, these cute little guys actually happen to be the smallest of what is known as the silk moth family. And they're really tiny. Literally, I'm not making this up. They're only two inches across with their wing spread. And the males are typically going to be smaller than the female. So imagine a moth being about the size of your thumb. That's very small. Mm-hmm. Very small and very fluffy. Now, what's really interesting about these guys, uh, their life cycle is quite unique. As caterpillars, they like to munch on leaves of maple trees, which makes sense considering they are called the maple moth. And they actually have a moniker when they're in the stage known as the green stripe maple worm. Uh, they're not going to be as pink as their adult forms, but they are still going to be quite striking as adolescents with these stripes of white, pale green, and black. And they have a head that is literally as bright and red as a cherry. It literally looks like someone took a little maraschino cherry and went right on top of it. <laughs> Kitty patooties. <laughs> and they also sport two very fashionable feathered black antennae at the top to help them navigate as well. Fashionable. So, Fashion no icons. Ma- honestly, no matter what stage of life they're in, they are always on par. Um, are they one of those insects that once winter comes, they say, just guess I'll just die? Pretty much. <laughs> As we learned in our last episode. <laughs> so uh, one other interesting fact about these beautiful invertebrates is that they actually lose the ability to eat when they mature. What? Yeah, so... Sounds horrible. Yeah, if you look at a picture of an adult uh, rosy maple moth, you'll notice they don't have a mouth. Buddy. Kind of weird. Yeah, so once they hit adult stage, all they're thinking about is hooking up, essentially, and making sure they're able to mate and propagate the species. How did that evolve? I I don't know. Somewhere down the line. Oh my god, these poor things. This was efficient. But, uh, Yes. You know what? They're here for a good time, not a long, not a long time. <laughs> Every insect ever. Every insect. So. Listen, they are part of the largest, most successful phylum. You know. Oh, so yeah. There has to be something That's said true. About that. There's something said about that. <laughs> said about that. <laughs> okay, I just googled it because I'm like just thinking about bugs now. I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I googled what is the longest living insect in the world. Mm-hmm. apparently it would be a or one of the longest living is the queen termite oh that makes sense uh average lifespan of 25 to 50 years oh scientists have even found termites at upwards of 100 years old question mark i'm sorry is what? that real i don't know okay I, i'm this checking like another source like- this one says termite queens live 15 plus years which sounds a little more accurate queen ants 30 years Splendor beetles, thir- 25 to 30 years. Uh, Cicadas, 17 years. But that's because they, like, 
they literally live live in the ground ground. (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah tarantulas can live like over 30 years that is true female ones kind of sounds like you know when people say greenland sharks live 400 years yeah yeah and i'm like "Mm, seems sus that's how i feel about this (laughs) well some of these i think are accurate but i don't think though well yeah well whatever i don't know i'm not a bug scientist but uh still interesting yeah you know, if we have any entomologist or entomologist enthusiasts listening to our podcast, hit us up. Yeah, that's the actual scientific term for that. Yeah. Bug scientists. Bug scientists. Well, speaking of bugs, uh, these moths, though technically not a true bug, uh, these moths, you can find them all over here in North America, living, of course, in those beautiful maple trees, as the name suggests, from Florida. Yay! Um, oh, where? <laughs> where can I find... All right, so you're probably also asking us, okay, well, why did these moths develop this heckin' cute coloration? Well, great question. So as we are already familiar with, or as you may have already heard, color within the animal kingdom is normally used as a kind of warning. So even though these guys are not venomous in adult form, uh, the caterpillars in and of themselves can deliver sting. And even if you're not venomous or poisonous, having those warning colors will still make any potential predators think twice before picking you up as their happy meal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless it was me and I was, and I was like a, a hawk or something, and then I'd be like, that looks like a yummy pink lemonade flavored bug. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. <laughs> Some strawberry lemonade to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Good news about these guys is that they are not endangered, but Yay. like many other animals, they still do face uh, future threats, mostly through loss of habitat, and of course, our favorite, climate change. No. No. <laughs> now, even though, again, these guys are not endangered species, unfortunately, there are still quite a few number of moth and butterfly species that are considered endangered. If you want to learn more about these endangered species and potentially help out a really cool organization that does conservation work with them, go check out the Xerces Society. Uh, It's spelled X-E-R-X-E-S, and they are dedicated to studying and learning more about members of the Lepidoptera family, which, again, moths and butterflies, and making sure that we have plenty of wild spaces and advocacy for our small little pollinator friends because quite frankly they don't really get enough love that's so true mm-hmm. so xerces society go check it out x-e-r-x-e-s we're on it incredible it. yeah all right a very well designed website too i must say what a great what a great little bug i've learned so much <laughs> i'm gonna buy that squishable now it's so cute the mothman oh one or the oh Moth, I said like, I sent the Mothman moth one in the group. <laughs> it's All right. so cute. So the next animal that I'm going to learn about today is from Abby. Now, like we said earlier, Abby is um, not here right now. She's vibing in Hawaii, living her best life. She saw whales today. She sent me a bunch of videos. Um, <laughs> she's there peak whale season. I'm very jealous. Anyway, so she sent me um, the animal that she wants me to learn about for her in her honor. And as a shock to absolutely no one, it's it a is a bird. Uh, it is called the umbrella bird. And I want you to know that before this, I have literally not looked this bird up at all. Uh, so please join me for a live reaction okay. as I Google this bird for the but first time. in every single, when you were a kid learning the alphabet and every single one that did animals is the alphabet. True. 
Umbrella Bird was always you. And it I always mean, was like a picture of a literal bird with a literal umbrella on its head. Like I'm it was so not sorry. an accurate picture of the bird itself. I think right. you just unlocked a lost long memory of mine, Katie. You're welcome. I have, I have typed umbrella bird into the Google search. I'm about to hit go. Here we go. <laughs> this bird is stupid looking. That's my immediate <laughs> response. <laughs> That's my immediate reaction. Okay. This bird looks just like it has a mohawk. And the, the the recommended video is a YouTube video with this yep. bird and the words, I'm an emo kid. <laughs> I mean, it's got very pretty black feathers. It does. It's gorgeous. Okay, we're going to And this weird to... thing in the front of its neck. We're going to the source, um, which is da, 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 Wikipedia, of course. All right. Uh, the umbrella bird is named for its distinct umbrella-like hood. Okay. Why does it? Does it have a thing on its chest? Yes, yeah, that's what I just pointed I hate out. This. <laughs> Why so, does it have that? Britannica, their website about the umbrella bird. It's a it's a waddle. It's an inflatable waddle. I hate that. Yeah, it's like a turkey waddle almost, right? Mm-hmm. No. Yep. Uh, I would like to see it inflated. Oh God, Can I Google big. inflated umbrella bird? They're like two I'm feet tall. That's so, so big. Much oh my gosh, it's very large. Why do they have such big? Why waddles? I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm just getting a lot of umbrellas. Oh, so it like get for oh, you actually? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it goes from bird, 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 umbrella. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Um, so it's used as a display for the male, the waddle. Um, when displaying, the male spreads the crest to cover his head. At the same time, makes rumbling noises. No, I mean, come on, don't you? I'm come on, I, ladies. <laughs> no, this is not for me. Um, Depending are... on the species, the waddle does vary in size. <laughs> that upsets me. They are threatened by habitat loss, as a shock to no one. Uh, their main primary predator 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 is uh, monkeys and snakes. As well as large birds of prey, uh, but yeah. all of their main issues are um, deforestation due to agriculture. They're found in tropical American forests, so rainforests of South America. Which yes, reasons for habitat loss include logging and banana and palm oil plantations. Yeah, and the pet trade. Why would you want this as a pet? Uh, yeah, that I is don't a, know. That that's, is an excellent question. That's shocking that that is included in their list of issues. Okay, hold on. I'm going to YouTube now to see if I can find a video of this strange, strange it's bird. Displaying at you. I, I mean, I'm not sure that I want that, but they're uh, uh, to give you guys a size context. They're about the same size as a crow, and they love to eat large insects and spiders. They also eat frogs, lizards, um, and small birds. Oh, yikes! Oh, Their large curved beaks help them to pick fruits and berries from the treetop. It just like hangs in front of them. I know it's kind of awkward. On things when they fly. (sighs) What'd you say, Kenzie? Do you think the waddle gets just like caught on things as they fly? I I would hope not. It It looks looks like they have a tail growing off of their neck. Okay, so (laughs) they use their waddles to make a loud noise at sunrise and sunset, which sounds like the low moan of a cow. No, I hate this. (laughs) That, that makes me very uncomfy. What? It literally looks like this bird is wearing a scarf. 
Yes. <laughs> I do not like this. Zero out of ten would not recommend. <laughs> oh my gosh, I just saw an inflated thing. I hate this. <laughs> okay, it looks like okay. Um, you ever see like a cat gets upset and it like puffs itself up? Oh yeah, its tail. It, it yeah. looks like that. It looks like that. So it doesn't. It doesn't look like it. Apparently, there's that also much. an umbrella bird song. I don't want to hear this. Hello? I hate it. I hate it. So it's a zero out of ten for the that's umbrella a, that's bird. That's a big fat zero out of ten for the umbrella bird. Thank you. So I'm much, a fan Daddy. of it. I think it's nice contribution. For reference, the uh, rosy maple moth is sitting at a nine point five out of ten. Ooh! Wow. 9.5. What about the uh, tree kangaroo? Well, tree kangaroo is an obvious twelve out of ten. Come on, get with the program. What? They're very rich. fluffy. They are, they are super fluffy. fluffy. I mean, did you see a picture? Did you see a picture of the tree kangaroo with a baby in its pouch? Oh, no, like, that's ridiculous. How the baby, like, you know how um, baby kangaroos and wallabies are like, they're like almost naked. Like, they're yes. so scrawny yes. and skinny. And it's, you know, whatever. But the tree kangaroo baby actually is still fluffy and it's very cute. I am high key obsessed with the tree kangaroos now. You know what else is really cute? Yes, go for it. It's an angle in Talapoin. Okay, that sounds made up. <laughs> it's another oh, Pokemon. Okay, should I Google this one while you're yes, talking about it? Please. Um, it is no shock to anyone that this is a monkey. <laughs> it is a good old primate. Um, I love how Kenzie was like, I'm going to go out of the box with this one. And Abby and I were both like, nah. <laughs> this monkey looks like the thing of my nightmare. So please no. convince me otherwise. No, no, he's so cute. Disagree, but continue. <laughs> look at their big old eyes. Look at his big old teeth. They always look just a little anxious. <laughs> they gotta watch out, you know? And they have like, some of them have like little like cheek mustaches almost. They, yeah, they definitely look anxious, but the picture that I'm looking at, he looks kind of scary. Okay. Is continue. it that first one with his mouth open? That's what I think first comes up on Google. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm with you now with the other pictures, though. Okay. Thank you. So as long as their mouths are closed, it's fine. Yes. Uh, agree. So the Anglin talipoin, I'm just going to call them talipoin. There is one other species, um, but the uh, talipoin is a vulnerable species. They're native, the Anglin one in particular is native to Southwestern Democratic Republic of Congo and Northern Angola. Um, so they do live in Central Africa. There are two species of them, the Anglin and the Gabon. Um, Gabon? Gabon? Do you get the picture? Uh, they are, uh, Anglin ones are larger in size and darker in color than their counter species. Um, and their ranges, surprisingly, do not overlap, even though their ranges are like right next to each other, but they don't actually overlap. Uh, here's the fun things about them. Talipoins are one of the smallest African monkeys, and they are the smallest species of old world monkeys. Oh. So just to recap real quick, old world monkeys, there's old world monkeys and there's new world monkeys. The old world monkeys are found in Europe, Africa, and Asia, while the new world monkeys are found in uh, the Americas. Except for North America, we're lame and we don't actually have any native monkeys but it's fine everything's fine um old world monkeys do not have prehensile tails and new world monkeys do have prehensile tails so the new world monkeys can grab things with their tails the old world monkeys just kind of have their tails and that's it <laughs> um which is okay but 
They're still the smallest one, the Talpoins, and they weigh between 1.8 and 4.2 pounds. That's very small. So they are tiny little guys. They are omnivores. They consume a wide variety of insects, grubs, seeds, fruit, plants, and eggs. Um, and they're pretty shy. They're mostly arboreal. So they spend most of their time in the trees, um, in rainforests, along rivers, with some groups of Talipoins living near human settlements. Now, here's the fun part. Even though Talipoins live in, like, really large groups, they can live in groups anywhere from 60 to 80 individuals, males and females rarely interact outside of breeding season. An ideal situation. So <laughs> after mating is over, everyone just goes into their respective subgroups. So the subgroups can have, like, uh, a group of adult uh, and juvenile males, uh, adult females with their infants, uh, juvenile females can be in their own little clique, uh, juvenile males can be in their own uh, little clique, or sometimes you could see, like, a single adult male hanging out with himself. Uh, but the, it's just so funny that they're they're like, anyways, boys club, girls club, and then one time of the year, I guess we can all hang out together but then as soon as that's done i'm going back to my girl click thank you very much like i said an ideal situation um what's interesting is in uh populations in zoos or in other sort of um human care situations tal points have been found to show uh numerous acts of endearment towards one another so they will sit in pairs for long periods of time with their tails entwined Aww. They hold tails. Is this like That's otters really holding cool. hands? But it, they're holding their tails. Aww. Yeah. I mean, I guess. And they huddle together in pairs of groups while sleeping. Additionally, existing members of a group nuzzle new members, and females will embrace each other, giving occasional hugs. So mm -hmm. really, girl power to them. They say, we love, we love our woman-on-woman -woman relationships. It's fair. The men, it's I guess, fair. we can deal with once a year. But <laughs> otherwise, girl power. Uh, they've also been uh, observed to have aloe mothering and aloe nursing. So that means, like, ah, oh, this isn't my kid, but I guess I'll take care of him for a little while. And maybe even I'll nurse him. Um, but then they go back to their actual mom. But it's like, ah, oh, whatever. We're all family here. So that has been observed in their species as well, which is pretty rare to see period so that's pretty cool um and last one fact is they are sure able to swim so that weirds me out a little bit no why is that weird <laughs> they live by the rivers sometimes there's little snacks uh, like, in the okay, river you guys, you guys all saw the planet earth video of the sloth swimming oh yeah, yeah that is nightmare fuel i'll agree with Where you there just like this does not look like it should be able to do this i mean i guess in theory humans don't look like they should be able to swim either but like <sighs> yeah well, I so Talipoins in general, I think they're super cute. They're super tiny. They're just a neat little monkey that lives in Central Africa. Um, you don't generally see them in zoos here in the United States, but they are uh, more common in zoos uh, across like Europe and um, Africa and Asia and those areas. However, they're Ooh. one of their biggest issues is shocker to know in the pet trade because they are a small cute adorable monkey now i know emily you cannot understand why anyone would ever have a pet monkey <laughs> could truly never be me <laughs> in their home um however because of their size and i think their overall adorableness um they are 
caught and unfortunately uh, sold into the pet trade, uh, which, you know, I've said it once, I'll say it again. Primates are not pets, people. Um, but uh, one organization that does a lot of work with primates in general and especially educating about things like why primates don't make good pets um, that I'm going to shout out to is the New, New England Primate Conservancy. They have a really cool website. You can learn about pretty much every primate out there on this website. I use it as a resource a lot. Um, they have a lot of cool conservation-themed lessons, um, especially geared toward younger um kids um that's just about like learning more about primates and um helping to conserve them uh my biggest thing with that i'm sure our listeners that you guys can help is uh you know you're scrolling through your ticky talk you're on your instagram whenever you see a video of a monkey that's definitely not at a zoo or in the wild highly encourage you to keep scrolling and not like that video um of course like boosting people that have pet monkeys that use them for influence or for their platform is just going to encourage more people to go out and do the same thing which is not going to help these uh, species and their wild counterparts so keep scrolling in my That's like me every time I see a video of someone swimming with a wild killer whale. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, hmm, or like perhaps, a manatee or a sea lion or whatever. Perhaps you should not do Those that. Those pop up on my TikTok all the time. Hey, you like animal videos? Yep. Look at this person touching a manatee. And I'm like, that's illegal. And I will actually report it for illegal activities. (laughs) Yeah. I've actually, I was watching a documentary I put up with my, for my class one day Mm -hmm. or one of my classes. And they showed a picture of a person getting very, very close and starting to get a little handsy with the manatee. Mm -hmm. Uh, That, that's, that was a poor choice of words there. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) But they were getting way too close, so I actually paused the video and got up on top of the chair and looked at my kids and said, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I was like, "You will get jail time and you will get fined if you are caught doing this." And also, it disturbs and alters natural behavior. Do not do this. <laughs> Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Miss Kenzie does not support. Miss Kenzie does not vibe this portion with of the documentary. <laughs> yeah, that's great. People need no, to know, man. The people moment. need to know. But yeah, it's as easy as just um, not sharing those sorts of videos, um, checking out more. Like if you do see a video of any animal and you're like, "Mm, I don't know about this, like check out who's posting it. Is it a random person and they have like exotic pets in their backyard or is it an actual, you know, accredited facility or sanctuary or whatever it might be? Um, and that could definitely be a first step in figuring out uh, whether or not we should be supporting content like it. That's true. Um, overall, I give these very strange little monkeys. No, a... <laughs> they're so cute. <laughs> I'm gonna give them a seven out of ten. Which okay, is much I respect higher that. Than I feel like no, I would expect thank you. Me. That's higher than I thought I was gonna get with you. So I'm very pleased. They get points for being small. <laughs> they're very, very tiny. The bigger, the bigger a primate is, the more scary it is to me. So, the bigger, the better, baby. Disagree, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. I'll stick with um, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's wrap this up. Uh, our conservation conversation this week. I mean, just learn more, right? So there's always new and exciting animals to learn about. Um, just when you think they've discovered any every animal that exists, you know, a hundred new ones pop up. So 
Um, there's always something new to learn. And that means learning about more conservation actions, um, more just conservation topics in general. There's, there's just so much information to learn, right? Um, yeah. You know, we're like I learners. We wish I knew things. about the maple rosy moth so much sooner in my life. It's true. It's true. Um, let's see for announcements this week. So friendly reminder with our new schedule that we're trying, uh, we will be taking next week off. Um, that will be for us to a take a break and also kind of brainstorm what's going on. And then, uh, we'll be coming back in two weeks for a news update episode. So that'll be our regular news things, the beluga news, conservation news, zoo news, policy news, all those good things. Um, and then we will have three more episodes for you after that each week. Yes, so our next episode that will be coming out in a couple of weeks will be our news episode once again. Um, but then, yes, give us your suggestions. We want to know what you guys want to hear. But otherwise, thank you guys so much for listening. Follow us on our social media, on Instagram. Um, you can find us on Patreon, on Facebook, Conservation Queens Podcast. So thank you so much for joining us this week. Now go out there and stay sustainable. Bye. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,